Hello, and welcome to Transformation by Truth podcast, where the call become the chosen and those who have been dedicated to serve the Most High receive the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth as we progress our quest for holiness, perfection, and everlasting life. My name is D.L. Anderson. I'll be your tour guide. Let's get started with today's lesson. Hello, my friends. D.L. Anderson here. Welcome back to our Transmission by Truth podcast. In day three of week two of the Quest for Holiness, Perfection, and Everlasting Life 2022. We've reached the midway point of this week, a week which we have dedicated to analyzing your greatest help in this quest. Thus far, we have discussed two of the seven primary functions of the Spirit in our quest. And today, we will discuss the third function, one of the most critical functions involved in traveling the way of holiness. That is, a spirit's role as our guide. Let's get started. Now, the series objective is to complete a full examination of the set-apart spirit of Elohim by analyzing seven of his primary functions in our lives. These functions are helper, life source, guide, translator, revelator, connection, and regulator. Now, without further ado, here is our feature lesson, a word of truth accounting of the set-apart spirit of Elohim, day three. Now, the title of today's podcast is The Holy Spirit, My Guide. The set-apart spirit became a guide to those who seized Jehoshua, Acts 1.16. Now, here are the feature lesson objectives. One, compare the way of holiness to the Christian walk. Two, analyze Messiah's role at the door to salvation. Three, discuss the power of agreement. And four, analyze the Holy Spirit as our guide. Now, for those who have joined the quest in our virtual book club, this lesson references the Pinnacle of Holiness, Volume 2, Chapter 10, The Amazing, Wonderful Spirit. Now, it also references the Pinnacle of Holiness, Volume 2, Chapter 11, Introducing the Quest of Holiness. Let's begin by discussing the way of holiness versus a Christian walk. Now, at present, I made it clear the path we are on is not the same path the church is on, using the word of truth and sharing my personal experiences. From now, I've been led by the Spirit to further analyze the difference between these two paths and to show how only one of these paths includes the critical factor of spiritual guidance. To begin with, we should consider a glaring difference between the objectives of the quest for holiness and the traditional Christian walk. Unmistakably, the primary objective of the quest for holiness is to transform us into the image and likeness of Yahushua Messiah, the perfect man, in preparation for an eternal existence with our creator, the perfect mighty one. Conversely, the primary objective of the Christian walk is to have an elementary, low level of faith in the Father's love 
and the redemptive work of his son under the assumption that this undeveloped rudimentary model of faith will somehow save them for all eternity, even though they are in violation of hundreds of spiritual laws, commands, and precedents, thousands if you can receive it. No doubt, this is the most obvious and glaring difference between these two paths. One path, that is the way of holiness, is centered on transformation and putting our faith into action so that we can, by the Spirit, execute the Father's will without fail. The other path, i.e. the Christian walk, ignores the Father's command for our perfection and distorts his grace and his love in a shameful attempt to enter into everlasting life on their own terms. For such is the perverted mind of the spirit of anti-governance. Now, I have news for all those who prescribe to this path. There is only one way, one path that leads to everlasting life, and that is the way of holiness. Likewise, there is only one door at the end of the one path that leads to everlasting life, and that is perfection. Jeremiah 32, 38-39 reads, They shall be my people, and I shall be their Elohim and I shall give them one heart and one way to fear me all the days for the good of them and of their children after them. John 10, 7 through 9 reads, Yahushua therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. Whoever enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and shall go out and find pasture. Now here's a question. What did Yahushua Messiah mean when he said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me, he shall be saved. To enter through Yahushua Messiah means you are following his example, namely his example of perfection. Now, this is precisely why the Christian walk is a spiritual dead end. Besides being a disjointed series of countless broken paths, it does not go through Yahushua Messiah. On the contrary, it goes around him, ignoring his example of perfection while creating a myriad of deceptive standards of self-righteousness. Now, what these fail to realize is sure, all those who do not go through the door that is Yahushua Messiah, are thieves and robbers. The question of the hour then is, will thieves and robbers surely inherit everlasting life? I think not. And the scriptures support my trust. John 10.1 reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter through the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up by another way, that one is a thief and a robber. For this cause, we must manage our relationships with those who are committed to the Christian walk wisely. We may not want to call them what the word of truth calls them, but the word of Elohim is true and forever settled in heaven. What can be done? Now let's discuss the power of agreement. Now, the word of truth confirms 
the way of holiness is the straight gate and the narrow way, and only a few will find it. A stark contrast to the Christian walk, which boasts 2.6 billion members, making Christianity the most popular religion worldwide. Does that sound like a narrow way to you? A path so wide you can fit 2.6 billion men, women, and children on it? I think not. Now, Matthew 7, 13-14 reads, Enter in through the straight gate, because the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter in through it, because the gate is straight and the way is hard-pressed and narrow, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. My dear friends, we are the faithful few who are finding and following the way that leads to everlasting life. We know this because transformation is the only spiritual process which presses us to the point where we are able to traverse the narrow way of holiness. Now, this speaks to the heart of the matter in this lesson. That is, those who follow the Christian walk do so because they do not want to endure the hard-pressed way of holiness. This is, after all, human nature. For man, by and large, is enticed by a discount and the thought that he can get something for nothing. Likewise, man, when confronted with a path he is not willing or prepared to follow, will almost always look for a shortcut, and he will take it, even if he does not know where it leads. Nine times out of ten, he does this because he does not want to work for the prize. Yet, because he desires a prize, he must search for some unlawful way to obtain it, as a thief and as a robber. As for those of us who are committed to the way of holiness, we are not being governed by our default human nature. On the rather, we are leaning strong on our renewed spiritual nature, which compels us to do whatever it takes to obtain that which we seek, and we will. Therefore, I call upon all of you who have joined me on this quest to be committed to taking what may seem like the long way when it is the right way, and stay away from the shortcut, for all those who take it will find out it did not get them anywhere. Thus, the shortcut is effectively the long way as well as the wrong way. This is precisely why it's impossible to maintain intimate relationships with those in the conglomerate church. It's not just because they're on a different path. It's because they're going the wrong way traveling in the opposite direction we're traveling in. Amos 3.3 asks, would two walk together if they do not agree? Now, as spiritual convictions are the source of all our actions, it is impossible to agree with anyone if we don't retain the same core beliefs. Now, seeing as our core beliefs are centered on transformation, we clearly cannot walk in agreement with those who are in the church. Nonetheless, our disagreement with those who retain dissimilar beliefs should not prevent us from coexisting with them. 
On the contrary, it is imperative for us to coexist with them. Else we will discredit and devalue the message of perfection while providing those in disagreement with an occasion to speak against it. Then again, we are children of Elohim, and we have been called to follow peace with all men, not just those who we agree with. See Hebrews 12, 14. Now, we are also commanded to seek peace and to pursue it universally. See Psalm 34, 14. Now, Matthew 5, 9 reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, because they shall be called sons of Elohim. Now, seeing as religious diversity is a primary source of conflict among men, and man often allows his emotions to ruin how he deals with conflict, we will need the guidance of the Spirit to help us in these situations, above all, ensuring all our communications and relations do foster peace. Let's now discuss the Holy Spirit, my guide. Now, it should be clear to see how critical it is to have an effective guide on our quest. As no one knows the way into eternal life, we will need a guide that will show us the way and reveal to us the most effective manner for us to walk the path. Now, a large part of the Spirit's guidance is centered on how we are to deal with conflict and manage our relationships with those who are being saved and those who are not. Now, this is something we all must get used to and become good at, because at some point, we will have to deal with people who have no spiritual aspirations. And if we fail to engage them in a holy, set-apart manner, we are not manifesting the Father's will. Now, this is one of many reasons why the quest for holiness is an upward climb, for it is highlighted by spiritual sales from our enemies and those who are being used by our enemies to get us off track. Trust me, we are not afforded the luxury of traveling this course without experiencing a fair amount of duress and pressure from many sides. Now, perhaps this is the most crucial aspect of the Spirit's role as a guide, for it is a source of our ability to effectively manage adversity. Now, by definition, Adversity refers to any occasion in which we are forced to endure hardship, resulting in our diminished capacity to journey effectively. And yet, by the power of the Spirit, we are expected and able to journey effectively. Now, there is a saying, if you don't allow adversity to break you, it will make you. Likewise, whatever doesn't take you out spiritually will only make you stronger. Therefore, we should not look at conflict or adversity as negative events on our quest. Quite the contrary, we should see them as opportunities to grow and to become even more formidable in the spirit. The key is we must constantly follow the guidance of the spirit. If we do, we will never encounter any adversity or conflict we cannot handle. Moreover, as there is immeasurable value and power in the Spirit's guidance, we will be able to travel as effectively in the snow 
as he would in the shade, figuratively speaking. Finally, the importance of a spiritual guide should be evident by considering how every progressive step on this quest is spiritual in nature. And as man is born with a spiritual vacancy, no one can complete this quest apart from the spiritual renaissance. And this is precisely why we're not even qualified to embark upon the quest for holiness without the spirit. In like manner, you will never finish this quest if you not rebuke the dreadful spirit of anti-governance and rather let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Now, here is the final word. Guide me, O thou great Yahuwah, pilgrim through this barren land. Now, I understand the difficulty involved in achieving the level of reliance to allow the Spirit to fully operate in his role as our guide. Yet, I call upon you to remember, we are finite. He is infinite. We know little. He knows all. We are weak. He is mighty. And from the first step on this quest until the last, we are being held up by his powerful hand. Now, here's what we have next in this series. Today, we completed the Holy Spirit, my guide. And tomorrow, we'll discuss the Holy Spirit, my translator, and my revelator. Now, if you are a member and have questions, please click the Q&A box underneath the video player. Likewise, if you have comments you want to share with the group, please share those in the comment box located beneath the Q&A box. Now, if you're not a member and you have questions about today's podcast, feel free to contact us via our website at www.pinnacleofholiness.com and use the form on our contact page and we will respond to you as soon as we can. And thank you for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to tune in with us every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And if you haven't already, visit us at www.pinnacleofholiness.com and make sure you sign up to join the quest for holiness, perfection, and everlasting life 2022.